0: today on CityCast Denver. It's no question anymore. The city's teachers have had it. And they told DPS's superintendent that last week in a letter demanding the district switch to remote learning for at least a week. The superintendent, Alex Madero, refused and said the district would continue to evaluate schools on a case-by-case basis. So where does that leave teachers who have to plan lessons for both remote and in-person classes, Teachers with students who get pulled into the nurse's office daily to be informed of COVID exposure. Teachers who can't take time off to care for themselves because there aren't enough bodies to stand in front of the proverbial chalkboards. Well, we asked a teacher. Today is Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies and this is CityCast Denver. So if you're a fidgety person, which I am too, just try to not use your I've hands. Got,
1: I've got my little my little bouncy ball, we, we good here. We, so many you knew the amount of fidget toys I have in this room somewhere locked away in a drawer, but.
0: <laughs> Tim Hernandez is an English and Ethnic Studies teacher at North High School. He's been dealing with the precariousness of teaching through a public health crisis, and he did not mince words. Well, Tim Hernandez, welcome to CityCast Denver.
1: Hi, mucho gusto a todos. It's great to meet you. How you doing, Brie?
0: Great. Thanks for being here. Um, so you're a relatively new teacher. I know that you started teaching in January of 2021. I just, I want to know what, what was it like taking your first teaching job during the
1: pandemic? Oh, man. Um I've wanted to be a teacher since I was 18 years old, right? Like I like have been collecting books in that library you see behind me. I've been collecting those books from yard sales and thrift shops since I was 18 because I knew I wanted to have a classroom library. And so to come in and step into a classroom, right, and something that I was really anticipated for, took a lot of student loans for, and to step into a classroom that was four students in person and 25 students on the computer and being asked to teach all of them. I think was really kind of violating, to be honest with you, I think is the best word because the world you know improved vaccination rates, right? It became safe for people to go back in person. then people went back into person, but teachers were the only job that were expected to do both at the same time. and so I also think it was really heavy, to be honest with you, to come into a classroom in that way for the first time, trying to bridge and piece together the world that was falling apart.
0: Just talking to you now and sort of seeing a little bit into your world through Zoom. I, you know, you're, I see the library you're talking about that you've created. I see, you know, a Black Lives Matter flag. I see a flag of Azatlan behind you. I think about the physical space that you've created for students to be in that space and to interact with them and to share with them, obviously, some really beautiful things about the world. How do you translate that when you can't have your kids with you?
1: Oh, man. Um As much as a virtual background can give us, right, it's not being in the room. Um, Really, the only way that I try to capture it is in the way that I act, right? Like, I'm the only consistent thing that a lot of students might get, and that's a really big privilege and honor, and that's also a really big weight. But you know, when it comes to my physical classroom, I think that's why I invested so much into our classroom and making sure that it did feel very culturally competent, very culturally relevant, and also making sure that it was also very relevant to what was going on in the world because I don't know how long we're going to be in here, right? And and mm-hmm. I told my kids that in August. I don't know how long you know this is going to last. I could end up with COVID. You could end up with COVID. And I don't know if I'll see you again throughout the semester. And so I want you, when you're here, I want you to feel that sense of belonging, because whether we're virtual or in person, right, that sense of belonging is the only thing that I can control when you're here. That stu- Let's let's just call an ace and ace and a spade a spade, Brie, right? Kids are going to forget every single thing that we taught. You remember anything from high school? No.
0: <laughs> Honestly, though, this seeing you in your room reminds me of my favorite classroom, which was my art teacher who just, I wasn't, I'm not an art, I'm not an artist, but my teacher spoke to me as a person that that was unapologetically herself and treated me like a a peer not a peer but like a human being absolutely she never talked down to me and I have a very clear picture of that room
1: well yeah and 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 it's because it's not about what we teach our students right our students are going to forget what we teach our students are going to forget what we say but they're not going to forget how we make them feel that's not my like philosophy that's like absolutely Maya Angelou's quote in action and more importantly you know about how Really, if I can create a sense of belonging here, then maybe we'll have an opportunity to do that if we end up virtual. I even think about how last Friday I took pictures of this background, right? So that way when I'm sitting at home, students can still feel some type of semblance yeah. to what we had and what we shared in the classroom.
0: So last week, DPS called for a snow day, but also said that the decision to cancel classes was due to staffing shortages. Yeah. What do those staffing shortages look like for you in your day to day?
1: DPS is also a fun fact. DPS is not just going through a teacher shortage. We're also going through a janitor shortage. We're going through an administrative shortage. We're going through a school security officer shortage. And we are going through a teacher shortage. And we are going through a sub shortage. Mm. Right. So what that means is last Friday, we had 12 teachers gone with exposure to COVID, some type of, you know, something they couldn't be in the building for that day. And because those 12 teachers could not be here, we couldn't find 12 substitute teachers in 24 hours. We, we were considering asking our school safety officers to cover classes here. But, but, get this, our school safety officers could not cover classes because our school safety officers got taken to another school because their school safety officers were out, you know, because they were exposed to COVID. What that means is as I'm in here in a building on Friday right? I'm getting emails as every teacher has throughout the semester, last semester and this semester of, can you cover this class during your off period? Can you cover this when you're supposed to be planning and grading for your students? Can you please step in here? I'm spending my off periods covering other classes as are other teachers and as is everybody else in our building because we're trying desperately to stay afloat just like every other school. We are never going to self-care ourselves out of unsustainable and inhumane work conditions, we're asking teachers, why are you burnt out without asking the question of why are we being set on fire?
0: That kind of goes into this next thing I want to ask you, which is last week, the Denver Teachers Union sent a letter to Superintendent Alex Maretto asking for a one-week switch to remote learning to allow people to get tested and, if positive, recover from COVID.
1: How did you feel about that request? I think it's the exact right move. Really? Like, we don't even have a hold on how many students are positive for COVID. And we haven't done any work to actually get there. What, what happened at Northfield High School and Denver Public Schools is Northfield High School COVID tested most of their population. They found out about 11% of their school population had COVID presently. In one classroom, that's three students. Oh. And so they immediately shifted to a virtual switch, right, because it's unethical, right? It's, it's, not, it's not humane to put people in situations like that, whereas I don't think every public school has been given the time or resources to adequately address what is happening with our population or get a hold on what's happening and so, absolutely, I support a virtual learning pause until we can actually get a hold on the situation, right? It's not, and, and like, really, I'm not trying to sound off or nothing like that, but really, I'm just trying to address the urgency of that situation, right? Like, the Denver school board meets in person, but nobody else is allowed to go to their meeting. Like, even my students who were invited to read the copy of the book that we made last semester to the Denver Denver school board next week we're, or, or the week after we're supposed to read it to them, my students... Even voted in class like last week and said, hey, we're not willing to read this to you unless you're willing to be in the same room as us. Why should you be able to impose virtual guidelines for what you would like when we are in class with 32 kids sitting here and somehow that's acceptable for us? And the thing is you can't pull things over like this on kids. They're not stupid. (laughs) Exactly. Kids have have more access to the information than we do, right? Like – it took it took my class this morning two minutes to dive into a conversation about did, was somebody COVID exposed? Do we need to figure out what's going? Two minutes this morning, right? Two minutes into class already, we're talking about it.
0: Tim, what are your students telling you is like most difficult for them throughout all of this? Because I'm assuming they're pretty candid with you about what this has actually been like.
1: Yeah. Um... Well, I mean, I I teach seniors. I teach a lot of upperclassmen. And so, you know, I, I constantly have conversations with students about, hey, mister, I'm really interested in going to college, but I'm not interested in going to virtual college.
0: Mm.
1: So, like, what would you do? Yeah. And I think it's really, really hard for me because the world that I was living in when I was 18 did not look like this. In fact, I think... Not a single teacher, right, did the world look like this when we were 18 trying to make decisions, right? These, these kids in the next couple of months are ha- going to have to decide if they want to sign up for predatory student loans that uh, you know, are, are going to be dangled with forgiveness by the president of the United States, right? They're going to have to make decisions on do I want to operate within a trade school, but if I go and do a trade, that means I'm more likely to be exposed to COVID. And if I do – and I'm more likely to be exposed to COVID, then what does that mean for my family, right? Like I'm, I'm having conversations with students in such a different way where students really, I think, are clearly expressing a lot of fear. I think students are expressing a lot of confusion. Um, And more than anything, I think students are expressing a lot of pain. You know, I think when I returned from winter break last week, I had students who knew people who passed away in the Denver shooting spree that happened over winter break. I had students who lost family members from COVID. I had students who, you know, were themselves diagnosed with COVID. I had students who, you know, went home for two weeks and came back with such a weight that, like, we had to sit and, and really figure out how we want to handle and carry that um, while we're together.
0: So, a recent Colorado Education Association report said that two out of three Colorado educators have said they considered leaving the profession has quitting teaching crossed your mind?
1: You know, I don't. I don't think I would be telling the truth if I said no. I you know I work. I work with teachers like Heidi De Bernardi, who has been in the classroom for twenty five years. Carla Carino, who has taught all over the district, taught at Manual, taught all over the place, and how all of them are saying that this is the first year that they don't see any, any, any. P- any validity in what they're doing, any type of fulfillment in what they're doing because, because we know that we can go get another job working way less for way more money with way less of the risk towards our families and our communities. A lot of teachers have, have considered leaving for right reasons, to be honest with you. It's not that teachers are leaving, it's that teachers are being pushed out by the way that we're socially kind of aligning capital resources and, and value to what teachers do.
0: Yeah, and I hate that idea that, like, you have to be some sort of a martyr to be a teacher. Like, I do this because I love it. Like, well, of course, I mean. Absolutely. When it comes down to it, if you're not getting paid enough, if if you're being exposed to a public health crisis, I mean, <clears throat> those aren't fair things to ask of
1: anyone. No, absolutely. and And I think, like... Like, even, even more importantly, right, because I would be remiss if I did not, like, I'm, a, I'm not just a teacher, right? I'm a teacher of color in Denver Public Schools in which let's have the very fast conversation about how Denver Public Schools has historically done an abysmal job of retaining teachers of color in which, right, teachers of color in Denver come from the communities that are the most impacted by COVID, And that means that teachers of color, as much as DPS talks about we want to retain teachers of color, how is keeping us in person as teachers of color, serving schools that are the most impacted in communities and coming from communities that are the most impacted by this really hurtful biological thing, how is that retaining teachers of color? Listen, it's the honor of my life to be a teacher of color. It's an honor of my life to be a teacher and be a sacred facilitator of the knowledges in my community. And and that's worthy of dignity and dollar signs. It's not just howling at 8 p.m., right? right? It's not just, (laughs) right? It's not people saying, hey, appreciate our teachers on social media. Like, that's dignity and dollar signs, right? I want dignity so that I can continue doing this because – I don't know who else would. I don't know who else would be willing to. I don't know who would be willing to take thirty thousand dollars minimum in loans to work a job where you're going to make forty two thousand dollars a year. Right. Like I don't I don't know how many people are willing to do that. And that's not as a case for martyrdom for me, but more so of, of a call to examine the systems and structures that teachers are being asked to work within and then evaluating why are teachers leaving them? Well, Tim Hernandez, thank you so much for joining me. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Brie. I really appreciate you. And uh, thank you for everybody in Denver. Love this city. Love this community, man. And uh, talk to y'all soon. Adios.
0: One quick thing before I say goodbye today. Tim mentioned a book that he and his students were going to present to the DPS board. And I want to tell you a little more about it. The project was inspired by fellow Northsider and Colorado Poet Laureate Bobby Lefebvre. Basically, Tim and his students went out into their community, took photos, and wrote poems inspired by what they saw. The book they made together, Our Sacred Community, is a beautiful portrait of a neighborhood changed so much by gentrification. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes so you can see it. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. <music> Fellow North Sider and Colorado Portland, I always <laughs>